<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen and variations thereof, welcome to the Selectives Lorecast, a casual Elder Scrolls podcast. My name is Rotten Dead Item in a really good mood today. I'm in a really good mood today. Good things are happening. Also, it's Christmas, as you can see from my, my uh, obligatory Christmas decoration of a stuffed long dog. Um, and, and if you're listening to this on the podcast, sorry. Uh, today we're talking about Namira, and with me, I brought some friends along, and they are uh, people who have not been told what order to do this shit again. again. Thank you. All right, awesome. Okay, I'm chaos, Mark go, everybody. <laughs> I'm James Wilson, and then. Then. it's Aramithius. <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. Uh, I'll go second then. I'm Felix, also known as Banu Hanamasashi. Or now, that guy in that bow of the fifth column video. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's internet famous now, chat. Um... Yeah. Michael, go. I'll, I'll go. Okay. Uh, hi, I'm Michael. Uh, you may know me from Reddit or other places as Scourgicus or Moon Sugar Leader. I'm the Khajiit guy. <laughs> and and I'm Andrew, also known as the White Guar. And I'm so glad that Michael is here with us today because there's a lot of stuff about Namira that uh, has to do with the Khajiit. And in generally speaking, that's good news because I don't know about you guys, but I don't know my ass from a hole in the ground when it comes to uh, Namira. So, um, but what we're going to do, what, but as, as usual, I'm going to start with the broad picture. Um, Namira is a Daedric prince, uh, whose, uh, realm or influence or inspiration tends to stray towards things that people find icky. Um, for example, uh, some of her nicknames are <laughs> nicknames. It's a nice way to put it. Some of her titles are the lady of decay, the spirit Daedra and the goddess of the dark. Or one of my favorite, I think it's the um, who is it that calls them? Calls her the uh, to the the Khajiit call her um, the eldest spirit, which sounds awesome. Um, the yeah. void. Uh, somebody I can't remember who. I think it's the Reachmen call her the Black Fly, which is wonderful. That is a great title. Great title for a god. I'm here to talk about the Reachmen and Namira. Oh, good, good, good. Yes. Yeah, um, yes, me too. So uh, and and now everybody's drinking. I had my last beer last night. So shit. Um, uh, I should have saved it for today because now I have a reason to celebrate. Uh, and um, uh, so when when we talk about things that people uh, find icky, I'm talking about disease, not so much as you know uh, as uh, as other uh, Daedric princes, but um, infection and spiders, slugs, insects, other repulsive things. Um, uh, for example, you guys probably know her well in Skyrim as a god who's a, a Daedric prince associated uh, with a uh, cannibalism uh, quest, which was um, uh, uh, which I still remember very clearly from that shocking moment when I saw NPCs I recognized sitting at that table, like mm -hmm. <laughs> eating people, and I went, I, I would have lost that bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that was really interesting. Um, but uh, anyway, um, uh, uh, very much a, a goddess or uh, excuse me, a, a Daedric prince of um, darkness and uh, the hidden places and uh, uh, various spider infested crawl spaces that I remember from my childhood. Um, but the Khajiit, Michael, have a really interesting view on her as the Daedric prince and rightful ruler of all spirits. So can you talk a little more about that? About spirits. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. Yeah. So I, we, who we really need here is Mac because Mac is the expert on Namira and I am not. 
and I did not really truly prepare as I should have. Uh, you're still better prepared than I am. <laughs> right, join the club, buddy. Join yeah, the club. Yeah, let me... It's the selective Zorcast. None of us know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> hey. mm. No, Baka, you can't force Jung. You can't just say right, it in chat. For, it doesn't count. <laughs> except for Felix, because he's internet famous now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Felix knows Felix everything about everything now. Property. Yes, yeah, he does this properly now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure someone is writing a video right now. It's like Felix exposed a takedown. Of Felix. <laughs> 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 hashtag <laughs> cancel Felix. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, spirits. So mm-hmm. there's. Well, let me let me let me start with this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, for for the Khajiit, there are two different views on Namira: uh, pre-Redotten uh, and right. the post-Redotten. Of course, uh, Khajiit philosophy, theology, whatever you want to call it, uh, is divided uh, between the pre-Riddlethar epiphany and the post-Riddlethar mm-hmm. epiphany. Right. Pre-Riddlethar epiphany, which is the one favored by uh, what's her name? Amandro. Is it? Is it? Was it? Well, yeah, Amandro is the author. But okay. then, there, who is it? Who's the the mm-hmm. necromancer in Northern Elsewhere that you meet up with? Greatest quest uh, in that whole zone. Val- Valsri. Oh. That's it, Vastri. Valastari, something like that. Something to that effect, yeah. Her. Um, that that the pre-Redotten view of Namira is really like she's bad news. Like she is almost like not. I wouldn't say necessarily a Satan figure in the sense of like a temptation, but maybe more like an Abaddon or a destroyer, if you will. Um, once the Riddlethor Epiphany shows up. Uh, their understanding of her changes, and she has almost a, a compassionate kind of uh, it's, it's it's a lot a lot much more compassionate view of Namira because she's the one who ministers to the bent cats and helps them to unbend their tails. Oh. It, the the, oh. the post the the post Redotten view <laughs> is that the uh, oh. that her realm is effectively purgatory. Oh. 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 But but here we go. This is I love this one. This is oh, please, please don't do that. It did that. Go back. <laughs> I I love I love Amandro because mm-hmm. th- these are they're so evocative. So this is what Amandro has to say about Namira, the eldest spirit, the great darkness. I'm gonna come back to that. The void. All creatures who feed on rotten flesh are her spies and the prey of cats. Cats being capitalized. The lunar lattice protects us from her hunger, but not our own. I could write books about that. Uh, know that to name her is to invite the dark, capital D, so you must never do so, as Namira is the sound of her true name. She is a spirit of infinite realms, of which only Azura knows all. Mortals who become ensnared by this spirit are tortured until they forget who they were, and Ooh. know only Namira. Well, she actually does that in ESO. They talk about how Namira, when you go to her realm, basically just just destroys you over and over again until you until you lose all memory of who you actually were. Which, yes. by the way, mm-hmm. also feeds in really well with my whole theory of what happens to souls when they go into Aetherius, But whatever. Okay. Just I saying. got just, things to add. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. So the last line is: uh, This is eternal suffering for all souls, but the Jakajay whom Azora will not abandon to the dark. And that's probably that's probably the line where uh you know Riddhar Vidata was like, okay, there is kind of a, a redemptive sense here. 
but yeah, she is bad, bad news uh, in the pre-Redotten pantheon. Mm. And yeah. it's also present in several things. I mean, if we go with 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 Anisi, um, the, um, Lokaj's heart is filled with the darkness. Mm-hmm. And from some bits from that passage, it almost felt to me like she's um, she has a presence in every Khajiit anyway. That um, that um, that you have got kind of the dark the dark side as a. Um, uh, as, as as I don't know whether you'd say it as a, as a literal as a literal aspect of Namira or part of Namira pulling the strings in someone's soul, but um or or, or at least or, or maybe it's maybe it's the other way that um that Namira is um the metaphorical or is the manifestation of all the darkness within the soul, uh, which also ties in really nicely with some of the Reachman stuff, which we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, um, I, I would just like to add real quick, because um, you know I'm just so crazy about red guards. I also would like to point out <laughs> that if you want to look at an origin point for Namira, she is one of the oldest spirits in the red guard pantheon, because at the end of the day, her realm is the realm of Satak eating himself over and mm-hmm. over again until he bites at his own heart. Mm-hmm. So that's a cool little thing that a lot of people uh... don't realize or think about in the. Well, that, that fits yeah. into that that whole destroys you over and over again until you forget who you were. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which I is was, part of Lorcan's madness. Yeah. And so, I, I, yeah. Although I would argue that's potentially Sithist as opposed to Namira. Do we need to make the difference between chaos and entropy and Sithist and the great darkness of Namira? Because oh, of the self-destructive aspect as right. well as the self-cannibalization. Right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if we can look at Namira. I mean, the same way that Lorcan is the soul of Sithis, Sithis is the soul of Padme. Could Namira be considered the soul of Lorcan? Um, that because might be I mean, Shea Gorath, though, because he was born. Oh, that's when true. Yeah, yeah, he's the Sithis-shaped hole. Yeah. So, so, oh, 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 yeah, okay. right, Sithis-shaped hole. That makes because because at least in in um you know words of Clan Mother Anisi. Uh, I mean, we we see that Namira comes from Lorcan, is well, is the right. within the heart of Lorcaj. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean that that seems to paint some, know, uh, some some strings. You know, think think uh, uh, you know, it's always done in Philadelphia where he's got all the strings and everything. Um, that that really puts Shogorth and Namira kind of on the same. Theme, I, I guess. I guess? On, on, uh, yeah, in the I same mean, tune. <laughs> you know, yeah, because because there's cause, the beats that the the tales weave to for the bent cats. Yeah, which well, is the mirror. Yeah, let, let me let and me let me just say this. Music. I, I do think what we're trying to do is we're trying to find parallels in what is intrinsically poetic. Um, yeah, speech, poetic language, which might not, which might be sort of self defeating. Um, it. Like it, you know, it's it's like when people like to say, well, you know, like Shugorath is the soul of, uh, or is the Sithis shaped hole in whatever. It's like, I mean, that's a, it, it's it's that's supposed to be a metaphor, oh, but of course it's Zelda Scroll, so it is also literal. Um, so never mind then. Actually, this is a very good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, my Let thought me. was with with Shugorath, there's a whole bunch of additional aspects with Namira. 
I've realized there's not there's not that much else to go on. So we need yeah. to we need to extrapolate a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me let me go go back a bit here. I mm-hmm. have I have two other sources to look at. So oh. uh, James, you had mentioned uh, words of clay mother on Nissi. Uh, so in that one, we say uh, it, it says, and Fatume gave birth to Lorcaj, the last of her litter, in the great darkness, and the heart of Lorcaj was filled with the great darkness. And when he was born, the great darkness knew its name, and it was Namira. Okay, ah. there, there's a lot to unpack there. We'll come back to that. Um, then uh, in the favored daughter of Fatime, Azora is kind of doing her thing. And uh, let's see here. And Azora tried to return to Fatime mother, but her tears had formed a great sea. Beyond it was a black gate that opened into a hungering dark. Lorcaj stood in the doorway. He was broken and bleeding and there was a hole in his chest. Okay, we know what that's from. But the great darkness was still in his blood, and it filled the hole where his heart had been. The dark mass built beat like a heart, and black blood spilled out onto the threshold. Azora heard each beat of the heart like the beating of a drum, and each drop of blood tapped to form a rhythm she felt in her tail. But Fatime had taught Azura the names of all the spirits, so she recognized the great darkness for what it was, and she roared in time with the song, Erdra Namira, etc., etc. And then Azura tore out the dark heart of Lorcaj, that's Namira, and all the darkness in him came with it, and she cast it beyond the sea. Vigit Laura is so fucking cool. Yeah. It is, right? They do this. Yeah. Because we've got. I mean, I, I immediately, I mean, with, with Lorcaj standing in the doorway, that that speaks to me of entering the, the tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that mm-hmm. could be uh, a different perspective of Lorcan attempting and failing Kim. It, yes, it um, speaks to me to then, the to the block uh, to the blocking of the uh, of the uh, Red Guard on the way to the Lost Shores. Um, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. You know, um, I mean, and then, and then we've also got the black blood. Mm-hmm. Which could be ebony. Yep. Um, although, although ebony yeah. is usually attributed to the heart of Lorcan, it was it was the the blood that spilled oh, as the heart was sailing in the resin. Right. No, 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 no. Um, obsidian is the light, or not, not obsidian. Um, ebony. ebony is the um, it's the oxidized blood or crystallized blood of Lorcan, and yeah. um, the blood that dripped from the heart. Um, that formed the Chim or the Kaimel Adabal that fell atop White Gold Tower. That's why it's the red, uh, the red oh. diamond. Because that's hmm. blood from the heart. Ebony is, I think, like oxidized Lorcan blood. Hmm. It's old blood, I guess. Or, old blood? Hmm. Yeah, okay. Interesting. I understood that reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Beware the old blood. <laughs> um, and then, and then the, the, the whole thing about Fatime and... Or, um, was it bad of me? And and like the the sea, um, I don't know. Oh, I mean, right. yeah. I mean, there's there's so, there's so much to, to mm. work with. That. Also, well, the- I got I got very big. Like um, the the way um, the gate was described um, also reminded me of. Um, well, it, it actually kind of reminded me of two separate things, and I don't think they're connected. But who knows? In Elder Scrolls, they might be. Uh, no. One, I was kind of reminded of the the depth <laughs> of the world that you see in Redguard, 
Um, I also imagined um, the part of um, uh, various monomyth examples where it said that Lorcan had his heart removed with more than hands, which can be interpreted to mean mm-hmm. towers, swords, weapons. It's implied that Evan Arm, his arm is ebony because he punched through and pulled out his heart, which is why it might actually be Trinimax. So, like, I was kind of getting some vibes of that as well. Um, but to bring this back to Namira, who we should be talking about, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the the black blood and the darkness and what that represents, um, there's a lot of things that I do want to talk about with regards to decay and how it manifests in different ways. So... Um, in terms of like the body, there's a lot of Daedra who seem to be very much tied to bodily processes and the components of the body as a physical sense. Like Lorcan's corpse are the moons. Namira is seen as like the goddess of death, of rot, of decay. We have various gods of destruction, rape, domination. There's all these really gross aspects, disease, periite, right? So there's all these different uh, bits that that are sort of like the bacteria that are important to the functioning of life and allowing for the renewal of things, but they're gross and no one really wants to talk about them or discuss them. And so in the sense of Namira and being the great darkness, it's because the only thing keeping death at bay is life like the second we die and like the blood is no longer running our body's immune system has shut down and then the bacteria literally from the first second you die start to eat away at what used to be you Mm -hmm. your soul your body your bones it all gets broken down and recycled into life but we don't like that and so we like to imagine that there's more beyond this darkness that there is a heaven a hell some kind of afterlife a soul a a purpose behind existence or a meaning behind life and existence and this is something that all of humanity since the moment we figured out that we were human could think for ourselves we have been chasing that and namira the darkness is the gross reminder that it comes for us all and it's going to no matter what is it also a reflection? I'm fun at parties. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a reflection of Anu's fears in that regard. Um, just um, hearing you go through that, go, go, going you going through that, um, you go through um, uh, et Etard et Adre eat the dreamer. Um, the idea of the introduction of not. Um, because when you say something is and then is not, it that emptiness. In, becomes something that you instinctively go about that is instinctively revolting because it's so antithetical to what you are, which is potentially why you get Namira associated with all the disgusting stuff, because that it's, it's a way of giving existence to non-existence, personifying non-existence in some way. Um, and one of the things that I'm, I'm sure we'll get to the Reachman, but I want in this sense the Reachmen think about Namira positively because they think of it um, of her as presiding over the cycle 
of kind of bringing life, death and everything going around and around. Um, and because they don't see that as a bad thing, the mirror isn't a bad God because some things can stop and then start again. Whereas if you just think of death as a stop and the and the idea of non-existence at all as being threatening, then you immediately want to start dismissing it, making it into these little bug things that we can squash, we can deal with. Um, the, the associations with death and decay are just belittling the mirror as far as I'm concerned. Oh, it could be. Well, I, something that I, I was just thinking of that comes to mind when people talk about like the fear of decay and ickiness and such is that um, there, uh, in many, 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 many cultures, overwhelming majority of them, there is a, honestly, especially in older, um, uh, you know, uh, centuries ago, a healthy, frankly, uh, a wariness of death and dead people and, um, and so on. And one, one of the... Uh, uh, what, one of the things that you can look at in a lot of earlier religions and a lot of uh, modern religions that are that still retain some of their earlier uh, practices is uh, a lot of rules and guidelines for dealing with corpses, with dead bodies, with infected uh, people, with old food, um, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the reasons why Buddhists originally found so much acceptance in other cultures was because Buddhists, in many ways, did not have these um, issues with dead bodies and so on. Um, uh, there were a lot of uh, cases where other religions would actually utilize Buddhist priests, Buddhist priests to deal with the bodies of their dead because oh, wow. they didn't want to physically touch it. And the Buddhists had some sort of magic, you know where they uh they were not afraid of uh being you know uh of of uh, inviting evil spirits uh, um it's um it's one of the reasons why a lot of funeral rites seem so esoteric and strange and overly complicated it's because that back then they used to make a lot of sense because people didn't understand how infection and and decay worked so one of the things that I think of when I'm thinking about um, Namira's worshippers having an interest or a fascination or at least a or, or at least are just not affected by things like, you know, uh, dead bodies and, and rotting and so on is, you know, ancient Buddhists and uh, and and the way that they sort of um, found usefulness in other cultures with uh, uh, from the knowledge that they had. So I have uh, man, I could talk about this for like days. Uh, I have two two major points about Namira. The the second one we'll talk about later. Chris, you know it's going to be about Jung. So people who are doing the the cross the yeah, no, I got ready. you, baby. I got. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on, uh. on what you were talking about, the the fear of death. There is, of all things, there is a documentary called Metal: A Headbanger's Journey, done by a. Uh, a guy named Sam Dunn, he's a uh, anthropologist, did work with in Guatemalan refugees and whatnot. And he do, he examines heavy metal culture from an anthropological perspective. And in the video, which you can find the whole thing on YouTube, it's in a single video. It's like an hour and a half long. Drop absolutely. The link for the chat. It's absolutely worth it. He talks about the he heavy metal's fascination with death. And one of the guys he talks to, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I remember he's a Satanist. He says that before the 20th century, we had to engage with death every day. Whether, you know, if you were a farmer, you may have killed an animal that you were then going to eat that night, right? Uh, you know, they would, 
when people died, you didn't take them to the undertaker. They were in the house for a few days and you would prepare the body for burial yourselves. We've put all of that onto other people now. Uh I mean, some of there are people who go through their whole lives and never see a dead body. Because they're always, you know, it's somewhere else. It's at the funeral home, or it's yeah, a, or or it's a dead body, but it's been made up by a, you know, to, to look living, right? yeah, to look alive. You know, that, yeah. that that whole he he looks like himself. Yeah. It's, oh, it's like he looks worst, like he's still alive. Ew. That's like the worst thing you could ever say. <laughs> he's sleeping. Oh, yeah, God, he looks like us. he's sleeping. He's not really dead. We can go home. And so, <laughs> what what this guy and I, God, I wish I could remember his name. What he says is he thinks that's why so much of late 20th century horror is about death and about the spiritual because we're afraid of it now we don't know how to deal with it we don't know how to deal with death and the 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 movement into spirit realms and all of that kind of stuff absolutely fascinating i highly recommend it well Uh, i mean what was it before though what was horror before that yeah um i mean like for example like and and some you did have some of that like bram stoker uh, his Dracula, you know, there is that kind of fear of the dead. Frankenstein's and, monster. But, but right. The, um, you, you, you get a lot of a lot of focus on sanity. Um, oh, yeah. Look at, look, look at, and look I would at assume reproduction and sex and, and other taboo. Yeah, yeah. So taboo like things. The, the, yeah. The, the concept of the new woman was kind of a, a, a focus, especially in the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we get like um, uh, the, the, the yellow wallpaper. Um, we get things like uh, um, Faulkner's a bit a bit late, um, uh, but but people losing people turning into other things. I think werewolves. Yeah, in in general, the way that I would characterize what Michael's talking about in terms of pre-death obsessed horror yeah. mm-hmm. is stuff that was unnatural or outside of, right. especially yeah. in Western yeah. Christian culture, okay. outside of what should be God's law or God's domain. So, mm-hmm. hybridized creatures creating life from death. Um, right. Okay, so is that is strange science like Jekyll and Hyde? The undercurrent behind so many of these is you mm-hmm. mess with the natural order, yep. and here's your comeuppance. Oh, yeah. We dwelled in God's domain. Yeah. Well, that's, that's that's a yeah, that's that's a that's a whole theme about Victorian literature in mm. general. So um, is is that basically that we've um, we kind of we've othered the natural order and the mirror is just an expression of that? Could be, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, something no, that I uh, go ahead, Taylor. Uh, I like I, I would challenge that because if we're thinking again, trying to look at it from the cultural frame of mind of the people of Tamriel, right, and how we see this window into their cultures and their worldviews in the games death is ever present Mm -hmm. so that kind of cultural comparison from ours to theirs doesn't really work for me Mm. um yeah but what could work in in the sense of making some kind of uh comparison historically would be to compare how say medieval europe or china or india viewed um death as a just a thing that happened and you can use that as a frame of reference but to try and use a modern equivalency it just doesn't really work because the people of tamriel like to just use skyrim as the most recent and obvious example death is ever present from assassins to dragons like 
Uh, just like everybody knows someone who's dead and, and yes. they just leave the bodies in the street mm. and you can strip yeah. them naked and pose them around. The people are like, yep, that's normal, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but that's so it's still it's still written by modern people, though. But yeah, so I mean, that's, uh, that's... so my uh, my my first major point uh, to go back to the Khajiit. So going way back uh, to the Khajiit cast, I talked about uh, how. Elves and humans view the primal relationship between Anu and Padme as brothers in opposition, right? Mimetic doubles going back to Gerard, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Okay. But the Khajiit don't see it that way. They see it as love, uh, a wife and her husband and their children. Now, yeah, here's... <laughs> I was just about to say, like when Khajiit, like Khajiit mentioned love a lot, and from studying the thirty six lessons, and from having my ass all the way up in like um, uh, philemic theory, it twists my head around that I have to suddenly shove affection back into it again. It's just yeah, very it's weird. Yeah, it's what what the Khajiit call love is not what Vivek is calling love. But anyway, it's so for them the the whole uh, the whole arc of the universe is love. Now here's the trick. Because that love, that primal love, the love from which all other loves descend, went dark, and it became violent. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, it became murderous. And this idea of the Khajiit as orphans, or you're, you could even maybe say that whole subgradient of like the children of Anu and Fatime as orphans who are cast out of their home. You know, think about uh, homes that have an abusive parent and the one of the other parents and the kids have to flee for their lives. That's what we're talking about. Right. And they flee into the great darkness. And that's where Fatima gives birth to the last of her kids. Now, there's dear God, there is stuff to talk about there. Yeah. For months. Mm -hmm. um, and the last of them to be born or to come awake, we'll get to that is Namira. And I think then that what Namira represents is the idea that all love ends in death. Because not long after Namira was born, Fatima died and they were effectively orphans. Because ain't nobody going back to Anur. No, nobody's going back to the abusive dad that killed mom. Not happening. So they're on their own. And that's what Namira embodies is this idea of all love ends in death. So everything ends in me. Everything decays. Nothing lasts. There will be no happiness that endures forever. In the end, there's only me. And it's, that's why she tortures yeah. people until all they know is her. It's, it's and that's nihilism. Why she, it is. Yeah. It's, it's kind of an ultimate yeah. nihilism. But also, yeah. there might be some kind of narcissism in there, too. Yep. One of the things Mac mm -hmm. talks about is that Namira absolutely loathes herself because she's the end of anything good. And then that, mm -hmm. that, but that parallels in her absolute acceptance and love for her children or those who have become her, which, oh boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, on, on a, oh, go ahead, James. I was going to say that, that almost reminds me just a bit of the, um, oh, the, the Beggar King story. Oh, yeah. um, which is fantastic. It it's is. just um, that's it's the the only um, the that's I, I seem to kind of internalize that as an aspect of Namira as well that she's kind of like Grandpa Nurgle, 
um, that the sense yeah, Nurgle, of, yeah, I was going to make that yeah, comparison. That um, that you that you go to her for protection against the things that she can help you with, um, and she cares for you even as she gives you this stuff. She will care for you and look after you. Right. Um, yeah, that is a very nerdly kind of her. concept. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Well, it, now, but is that any different than uh, um, shit? Uh, no. <laughs> It's not different than shit. Okay. Uh, no, yeah. it's very much Is that any shit. different from than Para? It's very much. Mm, um, I saw an opportunity. Yeah. I took it. So, That's a good okay. point. If, if, Where if, are I can, if I can sort of um, steer this to a different perspective, like while keeping Michael and Chris's stuff in mind, um, I would like to pivot a bit. Um, and I guess <laughs> this is where we can finally start introducing the Reachmen. Um, Please. James, you had touched on this earlier about how the Reachmen see her as part of the the cycle of um, just their hard scrabble existence, and so mm-hmm. she's seen as necessary to the functioning of life and the replenishment of the Reach in a certain extent. So she's not bad, and with the Briarhearts and everything, you kind of have this like sort of undead zombie, but sort of more powerful to a certain extent. Like, I know we talked about it a lot in the Reachman cast. Um, <laughs> but there's some elements where um, other cultures will have a different view. So not to say that Michael isn't wrong. I think he's definitely right in terms of how a lot of um, cultures might view Namirath. Um, But I think that also, as the Reachman show, it's different in the sense of well, it's it's necessary to the functioning of the universe. Um, I would also, to a certain extent, like it's obviously not the same and not of the same importance, but it's a functionally similar idea to the Hindu Trimurti, which is um, the creator god, the maintainer god, and the destruction god. Because, well, like y- you got to create a world, and then you got this other guy who's going to maintain it for a while. But then, you know, the world gets old; it needs some new ideas, some new blood, and so the the destruction God needs to come and break it down. And then the cycle begins anew. And this is where actually the, the term <laughs> Kalpa in Elder Scrolls comes from the mm-hmm. Hindu concept of a Kalpa. They believe yeah. that there have been several Kalpas in existence already where it's, the world has been destroyed and remade anew. Which and, I, mean, I, I, I wonder if that whole thing feeds into that, that idea that, um, yeah, Akatosh and Alduin are are two different aspects of time, that the past and the future, uh, mm-hmm. respectively. But that's yeah. that's neither here nor there. That's that was yeah, just but, but that's mind. yeah, like you're clearly sort of getting the concept, right? Yeah. And um, like just just if we sort of quickly look at other cultures around Tamriel, you can find where Namra is either not really talked about or she's very important. So for the Khajiit. She's an important figure. For the Reachmen, a very important figure. For the Nords, the Dunmer, the Bretons, the Imperials, not so much. Yeah. For the Red Guards, not, not even kind of, but it's mm-hmm. not like Namor specifically, it's the concept, which is still like her sphere, but it's the concept, right? So think about it. Oh, the skin ball, we're trapped. Everything began to die and decay, and Satak bit his own heart, and it was death, and oh god, this is just the worst. So, so they don't say Namara, but like she's there, and they yeah. clearly don't like her. 
and they hate touching dead bodies again to to go mm. back to Chris's earlier point about bodies developing different cultural practices and oh don't touch it. So she's there, but she's not as important as say the main gods, especially all the ones with swords. Um I'm I'm, I'm wondering like, there's there's differences all over the place. And at the end of the day, you know, some of the most fertile soil, or you see like um uh, I've seen like some people on on Instagram, for example, like goth Instagram and stuff, post about this. Uh, usually tagging it with Memento Mori or something like that. Yeah, they yeah. will show yeah. you know, oh look, it's this mm-hmm. dead animal, but look at like this beautiful flower or this new tree that's right. coming out like through its skull. So death has given way to new life, right? Uh, e- even in our front yard, which no one's ever seen, um, but we have this massive lilac bush and we planted it on top of um our old cat when she passed away like we we lifted out the very small plant we buried our cow with like you know in a blanket some of her favorite toys and some of her favorite treats we buried her piled dirt on put this little new like lilac tree in front of it and it's just so healthy and blooming and a part of me knows that that's because it is literally feasted on the flesh of my former cat like that's just part of life and existence, but we don't like thinking about it. And yeah, I could feel the like tension in the air in chat when I said, like, technically, this is what's happened. Mm-hmm. And we don't well, like I, think about it, you know? It's not romantic. It's not pleasant. It's weird, you know? Um, well, it feels weird, you, you, but... You, it, you, 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 you brought up the, um, the Briar Hearts uh, mm-hmm. a little bit ago. Um, and something I was thinking about, I mean, we, we know there's, there's an obvious correlation between the whole Briarheart, uh, ritual and, and Lorcon, um, taking out the heart and replacing it with, with, yep. you know, this plant. But now I'm making a connection with Namira. Are they embracing Namira? They're trying to put Namira in their hearts because that they're, 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 they're emulating they're emulating a Lorcage, or at least how uh, you know what what uh, what Michael was saying earlier about you know Lorcage stands there in the doorway. His heart has been removed. Now there's a heart of darkness. If the Briar Heart, the, the the plant itself, is supposed to be because it's some kind of natural, um, uh, I mean, I mean it, it's like a seed or something, isn't it? I don't or mm. a flower. Yeah, um, it's it's like a it's like a blooming fruit from a tree. It, yeah, yeah, it, it it looks like an artichoke, honestly. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it does. does it? But you know, I, I I wonder if that's part of some kind of ritual to bring them closer to that decay. Like, uh, I mean, I'm 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 kind of thinking almost like a Dia de los Muertos kind of thing, celebrating the dead, and and so they're um, you know almost almost a death cult in that way. But I haven't finished playing Markarth yet. Um, and and I know that they have some really interesting takes on the Daedra and constellations and the firmament and and, and the Aedra and everything. Um, so I mean, I need to I need to finish that so I can. I I think I'm going to go through and I'm going to look through that lens, try to look for Namira stuff, and then I don't know maybe I can follow up on on Reddit or or you know when this ends up on YouTube, I can just kind of put it there. Um. But I mean, oh, that was something I was kind of thinking about because I mean, we know the Reachmen, they they use you know bones all the time, 
for their decor. Um, you know, they'll they'll use uh, yeah, like they, literal skulls and skins and stuff. Yeah, and then uh, is it is it the Reachmen who like to take the heads of Spriggans and hang those up, or is that I just Hag like, Ravens? Yeah, probably. Or is it just Hag Ravens in general? Uh, I think I don't know. Uh, I, I I'm inclined like, to think Hag Ravens just because yeah, it's yeah. And, I know, and I know the Hag Ravens are usually you know somewhere sprinkled within the Reachmen, but I don't yeah. think. Hag ravens, by virtue, are reach. You know, reach. Yeah, they them. they were um they were um they may have an agreement with the reachmen or a pact with them. Yeah, of sorts. Uh, well, but, speaking uh, speaking of pacts and and reachmen, um, this is in sort of one of the notes or tabs really that I had open and I had it all highlighted. So if I can just um quote directly from the Reachman UESB about Namura. Um, the second paragraph in says, Hercene and Namura's roles complement each other. While Reachfolk mm. dwell in the world of the living, Hercene is a guide that helps them navigate Nuren's hardships. Upon death, Namura acts as a psychopomp for Reachman souls that gives and takes lives until their spirits are enlightened. Thus, Namura is seen as the avatar of primal dualisms, such as beginnings and ends, which stem from her world of spirit. There we go. <laughs> so, yeah, that... and, and yeah, this also ties into like, again, I think we talked about it in, I think either the Hercene cast or like the Reachman cast or something where um, the Reachman, like Hercene is their god, but there's also like five different aspects yep. of Hercene, yeah. which are technically, if you sort of read between the lines, different Daedra. And also, um, it seemed it seemed by the Reachman that sometime after Hercene took the mantle of like Lorcan's creation of Nern, he became the sovereign of Nern, like a uh, king. And then of uh, the second world of Nern, which is the realm of flesh. Because that's <laughs> where like your body and your soul and where you can create new worlds can ultimately stem from. And this brings me to the point that I've actually been wanting to make for the entire cast, but I can't just ask it right at the gate. Uh-huh. <laughs> what is Namura's influence in terms of the Godhead and mental decay? Ah, uh, there we go. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, d- d- this is d- what d- I've been wanting to ask like the past hour. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. Here, I got one. I got a hot take. Deteriorating mental state, which leads to madness, which is why Sheogorath and Namira can be linked to Lorcan. Okay. Hey, yeah. that's like a good one. That. Um, mm-hmm. uh, somebody mentioned the sense of otherness earlier. Um, that Namira is, uh, um, uh, dealing with aspects of life that a lot of people, at least in modern Western culture, um, object to on a creepy sort of like level, which is a, um, I mean, I mean, we, we've talked about, for example, the, uh, uncanny Valley before, right. Of something that's almost human, but just not quite enough. And because of that very slight perceptible (laughs) difference, it becomes really icky and awful and and nobody likes it. Um, That sense of otherness is a psychological reaction. It's a real thing. And it's not um, as it's it's uh, it's not as culturally dependent as you might think it is. It actually it is actually based a lot in the emotional responses that we built up over uh, millennia uh, of evolution when we were learning how to identify and flee from 
um, mental disorders, uh, insanity, um, uh, just generally speaking, very upset animals. Yeah, infection. Exactly. It's a survival technique. Um, Being able to identify a, a fellow monkey who's diseased can help you avoid the disease and not get sick. Um, so, uh, telltale signs of, you know, nose bleeds or pale, you know, pallor or rotting flesh or whatever, you know, these are all like indications of maybe I should not go near that one. Um, and this is, this is this sort of like spinal cord reaction to, um, uh, otherness is part of the reason why we now have behavior that we would call xenophobic. Um, it's, Hmm. it's a lot of why, uh, it, it has to do with the same basic, you know, reactions that people have when they are first encountering, um, people of color or, or white people or whatever. It's, you know, people of a different religion. Yeah, exactly. Of a different religion. Knowing that somebody is from, is from a tribe that is other than yours is scary. And it's part of that fear reaction. It's one of the reasons why David Cronenberg makes such great movies, because body horror is fucking terrifying. <laughs> um, and uh, well, yeah, rotting flesh, no second personal. date. Exactly. Yeah, right, Baka, red flag. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so one of the things that um, that I like about Namira uh, is that she addresses that very primal instinct, and. Um, uh, and that her domain is, you know, has to do with the things that set off those alarms. Um, it is, it, it, at first, it seems like Namira is another one of those Daedric princes that's a little bit too specific and a little bit too, you know, narrow for me to, for my prone personal tastes. And I, I keep driving this point home. But um, in fact, and the reality of the fact is that she's not. She's a, she represents a very important part of the cycle of life and death, as Felix pointed out, um, uh, of, you know, of rotting and uh, decay and the transfer of a physical body into of a of a, of a coalesced physical body into an uncoalesced um, uh, food state, I guess you could call it. And then uh, uh, and she also represents a very uh, the, uh, a sort of a primal fear of things that are gross. And uh, every culture has those. Every human being has that reaction. It's just part of who we are. So I think she's actually got a great sphere um what does she represent as far as the anu and padme reaction it it's uh, what's great about namira's um idiom is that that sense of revulsion against something that is unlike us is something that is typical is a trait of both padme and anu that you don't have to be chaotic to dis- to hate the thing that isn't yourself and you don't have to be uh, and a Newick to hate the thing that is part of yourself. It's something that both have, and at the same time, it's something that. Uh, and if we haven't mentioned it already, it's something that Jung deals a lot with in a lot of his uh, books. <laughs> the idea of getting, and it's something that Buddhists talk a lot about for uh, the process of self awareness. It's the idea of becoming aware of the fact that. We can dislike a lot of things in in people, but the things that we react, that we hate the most immediately and the most ferociously are usually the things that we hate about ourselves. Yes. And so the reaction that people need to have when they, I mean, the uh, whole whole idea of self-awareness 
preaches the idea that you have to understand what it is that you find dissatisfactory about yourself that you hate in yourself. And that once you get good with the fact that you hate yourself and you understand why you hate yourself, it becomes very obvious when you have a, you know, an angry reaction to something that somebody else does. If you can just stop for a second and think, oh, I've made that mistake before and I hate myself for making that mistake. And then it suddenly makes a lot more sense. And then it becomes less about that. That guy voted for the wrong person. Fuck that dude. It becomes more about, I remember when I voted for the wrong person or, you know, and, and I felt like an idiot or I'm constantly it worried that I'm going happen. to vote for the wrong person, you know? Yes. So that's my answer for that. <laughs> yeah. About like how that about uh, the decay of the Godhead and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it would have been really oh. cool if Nibiru had played more of a role in the uh, in the transition of a Kalpa. Because we, because well, one of the transition, one of the principles of the transition of a kalpa is the mm -hmm. idea of the mundus of the corpus body of the universe decaying and transitioning and back into rebirth again. Well, and, again, mm -hmm. because I'm a red guard stan, that's kind of covered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, again, like it, it doesn't mention in the monomyth specifically, but I mean, if you just look at Daedra and their spears, that's her jam. <clears throat> Sep creates the skin ball out of old dead worlds, old skins, right? The 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 remnants, the literal husks of old Kalpas. And he balls them up and says, Yeah, no, this is how you get to heaven. You can trust me. I'm a shady used car salesman. And yeah. then the spirits yeah. get there and then they realize, wait, no, I'm mortal now. No. And this, slaps this top of, of Mundus. Form. You can fit so many souls in this baby. <laughs> and, and, and the that meme is going to be on the internet by the end of this stream. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm not the one who's going to make it. Never <laughs> am I. Ain't nobody got time for that. But um, like that is clearly a part of the sphere. <clears throat> and if you also want to think of Yokota as the sunken continent, you know the the memory of the before time. Mm -hmm. It's loaded it's down there it's decaying it's gone but like not entirely forgotten but it's not useful anymore it's no longer a living breathing place it's a it's a mark upon the world that's about it and i'm wondering now if maybe with that whole you know bloating and death and stuff andrew might have some slowed related namura things to talk about he's, he's I... nodding so i look forward to hearing this I was going before I do that. There were some things that um, that that Eight Butt has slapped into chat, <laughs> uh, which is possibly speaking a bit to um, Namira's role in creation and such. It um, it's um, saying it's. I don't know quite where this is quoting from, but it's according to Reach Myths. Lork convinced the Spirit Queen Namira to grant him a place in the Infinite Void. Where he could create and Shatter's moved on. Um, to create right, a realm for wayward yeah, spirits. Create a realm for wayward spirits. That's, yeah. uh, which, That's probably from Markarth. Yeah, which. Which uh, just uh, fucking played it yet. Okay. <laughs> but that <laughs> perspective, but that perspective and that, and it kind of harks back to what Felix is saying about Namira creating. Um, 
creating space for everything to happen. But that's a role for other cultures, at least, that's traditionally held by Kine or Kinnereth. Mm. So where do we put is 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 Namira Lokan's spurned wife rather than child, or are we go? How how do we conceptualize that? Just the link between Kine and Kinnereth and Namira is just something's gone click, and I can't work out quite what. Yeah, I have heresy. Uh, I'll come back to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So I don't know if mine cancels heresy or not, but just in terms of like how, and like to clarify, this is how I think you're. You're trying to get the point across of um, that Kinnereth and usually RK are associated with death and the transfer of souls, right? It's the metaphysical yeah. aspect. Yeah. Namura is the physical aspect. Okay. The physical decay of God in terms of Satakal, the serpent who bites his own heart, dies, sheds his skin, and begins the world anew. It's the skin ball. It's the beginnings of more and like i am decay your, your immortality decays before you into mortality but the metaphysical or the spiritual aspects are still under the charge of those within whose sphere it is namura mm -hmm. is more physical in fact i would say for a daedra she is incredibly tied in with the physical aspects of nern yeah. and it's mm. functioning like, Ifra be damned, she's another important part of this that goes unrecognized. Yeah. Well, the well, the Khajiit say that Namira corrupted Ifra, and that's why... Oh! Yeah, yeah, and that's that's why on Nern, things decay. Yeah, because she's, she's, she's not quite a proper Daedra in that case. That's, and and uh, I can't remember. It's it's in one of our you are. <laughs> it's in it's in, it's in one of Amandro's books. And uh, yeah. because I let's see if I remember this correctly. Nerni and Ifray were married. Is that right? No. Or was it Kanarthi? Uh, uh oh, who was his wife? He well, whoever he was married to, her scene was also also loved her, but she chose Ifray, whoever it was. Yeah. And Ifray was corrupted by Namira, and he killed his wife, and that's and which may explain why her scene is so angry uh, at uh, Ifray, and maybe is trying to turn the Bosmer into reflections of him. I don't know, but that's another subject. Um, yeah, it's it's in one of the Amandro books. I don't remember which one, but yeah, it's it's crazy good. Good. It's stuff. a reenactment of the it um, is. the original Nantiamorph. Yes. But anyway. Yes. But I, I, what, I think, oh. what I what I wanted to go to talk about, this is my second point, and then hopefully I'll shut up. This goes back to what, what Chris was saying about the Godhead and, and that Felix asked about. So I talked before about this idea that all love ends in death. So let's see here. All right. So, so when when we talk about <laughs> being being creative. The process of being creative requires a mental journey into a place where you can make unusual connections. And Jung calls this the descent into the unconscious. And you could think of this as a descent into primordial chaos. Uh, you know, the the you know we envision it as the oceans, memory, etc. Uh, 
this descent into things where logic is less important than images, right? So when Fatima and her children flee from Anor, they go into the great darkness, which is the unconscious. Interesting that this is also what the dreamer does, because the dreamer flees into their unconscious to sort through, we're talking about Anu and Padme here, that to sort through the dark aspects of himself, that being Padme, Anu goes and sleeps in the sun and tries to dream a solution in the unconscious. So the Khajiit go, or, or I should say Fatima and her, her, her kids go into the great darkness uh, where they try to create a solution. And whether or not the unconscious necessarily reflects back their pain and the loss of love, we, we could argue about that. What's really interesting to me is what Onnissi says. Let me pull it up here real quick. Uh, and I quoted earlier about the heart of Lord Khan just filled with the great darkness the unconscious. And when he was born, the great darkness knew its name, and it was Namira. Now, Jung talks about... I'm going to try and pull this together, and Chris, if I fail, I'm going to need your help, but I think I can pull uh. this together. <laughs> um, Jung talks about that there are two major aspects of the psyche. That there is the persona, that's your public face, that's your idealized self, who you want people to think you are, and there's the shadow which is all the stuff that you deny about yourself. Okay? So, uh, Anu... Oh, or Anu literally and... did that in Oblivion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all in there. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, Anor and Fatime, we're a happy family. All is good. Oh, God. <laughs> That's the repressed stuff. And as, as Chris was talking about earlier, the longer you repress those darker aspects of yourself, it will start to force its way out violently. Uh, you know, and, and you'll you'll be going along and somebody says something like, oh, I don't know. I like Trump. And you completely flip out. Right. You go completely out there or, you know, either way. I like Biden. Rawr, you know, and it's like, I didn't deserve that, bro. What's going on? It's because it's not you. It's them. It's that inner darkness that they haven't dealt with bursting out. OK, so they go then down into the subconscious to try to figure out. How can we create a world other than the one we've known? And what awakens is Namira. And this idea of the shadow becoming awake or awakening, what, what, what's the, the, the quote? Um, one does not achieve enlightenment through drawing pictures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. Namira is the darkness, the shadow becoming conscious and recognizing all of the dark and horrible things that are inside and, and, and bringing them up into the conscious mind, out of the unconscious, out of that place of metaphors and images and no logic, and bringing it into the mind so that it can be dealt with. I'm wondering then if that makes Namara a pretty decent metaphor um, for, like, in, in terms of, uh, like, repressed emotions and stuff as you are talking about. I wonder if that makes her a good metaphor for guilt and shame. And that's, thank you, because my buddy Mac from the lore community, that most of you I think know Mac, his thing is that some, God, I wish he was here, that some of what's going on there is that she takes all of that guilt into herself. 
that instead, even though the darkness has become awakened in Namira, she doesn't process it. She just says, I am the darkness. All love ends in death. All and all love ends in me. And it's like a even though the darkness has been awakened, it, it doesn't Jung says that the persona and the and the shadow have to to come together and join hands and say, Okay, this is who I am. I have to make peace with the fact that I I have these these good things that I want to do, but by God, there's these horrible things in me. And it's in in reconciling those two aspects of yourself that you become whole. And Namira can't do that. She's yeah, like, stuck uh, still in the and the the awareness of her of the darkness. Yeah, it's kind of like an introspection thing. Like mm-hmm. you, you know, you don't want to face the bad aspects of yourself, such as right violent outbursts, addiction, mm. jealousy, envy. Um, yes, struggling with self love, self hatred. Yeah. Seven deadly sins, yada yada. Yeah. But does just as a general question then, is that sort of self reflection possible for any Daedra? Like my, my immediate gut feeling is no, because mm. because they don't interact. Laughing mm-hmm. is vile. <laughs> and Barbus. Well, yes. Yeah. On, mm, only because okay. only because he needed someone to to get the better of, and right. that's how we get Barbus. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 that's, that was, okay. This, this one may be off on the side, but this is, this is something I wanted to submit to, to all of you to get your thoughts. Um, and it's a question of ontology. So Namira is considered a Daedra, but unlike all the other gods or, or Adric, 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 Adata, whatever, she wasn't born from Honor and Padme. She came, she came to be some other way. Does that suggest then that Daedra or the creatures of the Arbus can have differing ontologies that not all of it comes strictly from Anu and Sithis? Sure. I think once again, it just goes back to a point that MK said a long ass time ago, which was quit mixing up your gods and demons. Yeah. <laughs> because. But it's fun. Well, yeah. But I mean, yeah. like to, 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 to really sort of try and unpack this a bit and, where you're sort of going with this stuff. You know, we, we talked about this in the Meridia cast, how Meridia is not like your typical Daedra. And now we're talking about here in Namra. Namra is not your typical Daedra. Shergorath, in his own way, is not your typical Daedra, nor is Malakath. Like, there's... There is no typical Daedra. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. There's no set framework. The duality, there's no black and white. It is all a gray well, maybe. I mean, it's it's how it's, it is. It's did they did they participate in the creation of Mundus? Yes or no? Mm. That's it's no. In that sense, no. Although what I is, could make an is, argument for the Red Guards. Yes, kind of. Well, what yeah, is creation that's, though. Yeah, that's, that's a Mundus That's actually James has got a good they, point. It's it's very hard to determine objectively what. Adra or Daedra or entities of any kind or whatever were involved in the creation of Mundus because nobody really knows how Mundus was right, yeah. was formed. I'm not. I'm, I was actually going for another angle for that one um, because um, because creation isn't particularly if we're going to go with Nimira as decay and rebirth and so on is an ongoing thing anyway. Mm-hmm. The instance. The instant that the Daedra create a champion or an artifact or interact with the world in some way, they have recreated Mundus. 
because of how yes. it will have to then re, re um how that will how it reacts with everything else and yes. carry on going forward. So the Daedra were saying no, we didn't want anything to do with this at convention, maybe, but yeah. but now they're very definitely involved. Um, so yeah. there is there is no clean dividing line between Asia and Daedra anymore, possibly. I think it's all it's, just fucking spirits, man. Fuck <sighs> existence. It's, it's politics. It's, Maybe. it's pure. It's pure politics. For going back to the old ma, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I do think probably but, the, the definition for Adra would be those who gave gift limbs for the creation of Mundus. Yeah, that yeah, might that's be because none of the Daedra gave gift limbs, no. but their spears are very much present in Mundus. Yes, after after convention. So yeah, I should have specified yes. convention. Yeah. Yeah, wheels within wheels, which is yeah. where which is where we can get back to us to us to a slowed quote because Andrew still hasn't talked about slowed, and I know he wants nope. to, um, but because um, Nagaster actually says that, um, do you not think that the Daedra inspired the very qualities that they're associated with? So if that's if that's remotely true, then the Daedra have to be involved with Mundus and entwined with Mundus, um, oh. and and I mean. Since we're talking, since we're talking about slow now, um, yes, absolutely. Do it, Go on. please. Yeah. So, I mean, I should I should preface by saying, I mean, this is all just my own my own interpretations, my own head canons, and my own writing, um, because I mean, this stuff just hadn't been filled in. So, I wanted to kind of fill in the gaps. Um, if uh, if you go and you read the slowed creation myth that I wrote. Um, Thross and and his kin, uh, the, the the slowed, are visited by four Daedra, um, who then offer uh, their their gifts, their knowledge to the slowed. Um, and so one of them is the Rot Mistress Namira, and she um, she intrudes on Periite's uh, sphere. Uh, to teach the slowed, um, you know how to be gross and how to um, weave uh, virus magic and um, you know spread disease and that kind of thing. That's where we get the Thracian plague from. Um, and and so um, when when the Nagasta says that um, are you going to give him a pancake? <laughs> Give the dog a pancake. That Come is on. the best non-sec Twitter ever. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, that when, needs when to be a meme. When, 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 the when the gaster says, are you going to give him a pancake? Yes. <laughs> the there he is. Oh, that's going to be. Oh, it's a meme. the best part of this Hands <laughs> fucking down. Okay, my wife crept in holding a pancake in her hand. <laughs> She had this look on her. Anyway, when Gosta says that the, um, uh, many of the things that the Slowed are known for were inspired by the Daedra, that's one of the. <laughs> no, 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 because I'm, I'm sorry, and I really hate to interrupt you, but I'm just imagining that. It's like, and so she did intrude upon the spear of the White Guar, manifesting her own spear, and offered it to Barbas. <laughs> and it was a pancake. And it took the form of a pancake, and Barvis did say, <laughs> "Am I a good boy?" And he ate it and knew his aspect. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, a true. 
and did make uh, yeah. a change, and then extruded uh, Malakath oh, upon the bed sheet. <laughs> we hope not. My, my, oh, my, God. my friends are writing religious texts about your pancake, dog. <laughs> <laughs> she says that sounds dirty. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <sighs> in the name of the guar, the pupper, and the holy pancake. Oh, God, pancake. that's wonderful. <laughs> In tears. That's so wonderful. I'm sorry. Please continue, Andy. Yeah, I'm sorry to so interrupt. Please continue. I just had to get that out of my mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, so anyway, we're, 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 we have a Airbnb single hammer, and everything right? we everything looks like a nail. That's right, Paka. We only got one hammer. There you go. There you go. Goodbye. And that hammer is drawn. Yeah. Yeah. So. Also, he has Wielded by the god who is excrement. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, so uh, there wasn't really a whole lot more to that. Um, <laughs> I, I I had written that the uh, should we add wife <laughs> to the rap chat? Yeah, 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 someone who looks at you the way Andrew's wife looks at him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us what do you think about Namira. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well said. Uh, there you have it. There you are. Um, right, yeah. Um, th- th- there wasn't a whole lot more to add about the mirror. I mean, they uh, uh, she taught them how to be gross, and mm-hmm. uh, and Thrust said, "Well, you're not getting anything in return. That's ours now, bitch. Peace." <laughs> and so, and that's, no what, that's what they did to all the Daedra. Yeah, um, <laughs> they did. They did the same thing to uh, Molug Ball. And Malakath and could you whine him? Um and who was the other one? Oh uh Not my, my, oh yeah, it was Cl- it was yeah. Huh? Um Molag Ball, I called him um Ruddy Ball. Uh Malakath, I called him the old key, and Clavicus Vile was the horned child. And that's and that's all oh, yeah, and then, and then the mirror is the rotten mistress. Although that kind of reminds me that uh, if we're talking about Daedra that get screwed over by by mortals, N- Nocturnal is the best example of that, I think. But um, yeah. not to kind of go too far into Nocturnal, because we need to keep some stuff the Nocturnal cast. But um, <laughs> where's... Um, well, you can look out my window if you like. It's night already. Um, but um, but we've got... We've got, no, we've got Namira as the as the spirit Daedra and Nocturnal as the Erdra, mm-hmm. uh, they, they strike me as very, very similar, similar context concepts. Are we, are we just looking at different cultures that will place one of those as the primal thing? Or is there something that we can determine about how those two relate? Uh, I, 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 you know what? I'm going to say this. Yeah. I think we might want to wait for the numeric for uh for a different cast for that, like nocturnals. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. yeah I, do. Um, I have some, some because, heresy about nocturnal and Namira that I'd love to. Yeah. Hear well, I mean, we've we've covered Ooh. so much stuff already, and also I'm feeling really bad because I was supposed to feed my dogs an hour and a half ago. Oh dear. And uh, yeah, uh, they're kind of looking at me. <laughs> Um, well, unless there's anything we need to cover, yeah. like just a quick yeah. summation of like Namorous symbols, well, any like well, artifacts. I, I I did want to point out uh 
kind of jumping back to Reachman and and Khajiit. If mm-hmm. if the Reachman were Khajiit, they'd all be Dramatha, I think. Yes. Sure. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So which which makes me want to write a story about like some Reachman who was actually a Khajiit Dramatha and mm-hmm. he's just living among the Reachmen. Uh and they're like, Yeah, he's one of us. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. I like his views. Yeah. <laughs> <That'd be cool. laughs> all right. Good up, man. Well, yeah. um, is that who we're doing next? Is it is Namira is a uh, uh, nocturnal guest? Nocturnal is yeah, next. Yes, Fantastic. Is. So that's so a I'm beautiful sequitur. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah. So uh, I want to thank everybody for showing up. Um, join join the Discord if you haven't already. Don't forget to email selectiveslorecast at gmail.com. Yes. Or is it the selectiveslorecast at gmail.com? It's just select. It's just selectiveslorecast. selectiveslorecast at gmail. If you have any questions at all. Uh, that you want us to cover, um, uh, email us, let us know, get in contact with us because we are always looking for new content. And after we run out of Daedra, <laughs> so um, hey, I still have my ideas. You keep forgetting about them. Okay. We haven't done Finaster. We haven't done like some of the other. Yeah. That's like, actually a very good point. Did yeah. we do? Did we? Uh, we already did Aedra, didn't we? Yeah, we yes. did Aedra. Remember, the Mara cast was like awesome. Um, so thanks everybody for showing up and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.